Welcome to the Australian Hiker Podcast, Australia's longest-running hiking podcast, downloaded over half a million times in over 145 countries, and providing you with an Australian perspective on all things hiking. I'm your host, Tim Savage, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jill Savage. Hello, everyone. It's great to be here for what's looking like a terrific hiking 2021. In today's episode, episode 174, we are taking you through our on-trail episode of the Schlink Hut walking track in Kosciuszko National Park. Now, before we get into today's episode, if you would like to help support Australian Hiker and this podcast, there are a couple of ways you can help us out. Firstly, subscribe on your podcast host of choice so it's available as soon as it's published. And if you have the opportunity, leave us a five-star review. Another way to support us, if you like what we do, is to go through the Australian Hiker website at www.australianhiker.com.au and click on the supporters page and buy us a coffee. You can do a one-off donation or become a monthly supporter. All donations are greatly appreciated and help us to continue producing this podcast and blog. Now let's get on to today's episode. Over the past four years, we have brought you on-trail recordings of some of our shorter, more complex hikes, and in particular of our longer trails. We realised that not all of you are into long-distance hiking or hiking on technical trails, so we've decided that we're going to bring you some longer day hikes and overnight hikes suitable for just about any hiker, and we'll be releasing these on a regular basis. The first of these episodes was recorded on the Schlink Hut walking track in Kosciuszko National Park just after Christmas 2020. This is a great walk that can be broken down into smaller hikes, so you can pretty much choose your own adventure, uh, and it provides a good opportunity for both newer and experienced hikers. To get the best from this podcast, open up the Schlink Hut walking trail review on our website to see the images as well as the full details as you go to help you with this walk. We hope you enjoy. Good morning. It's just on 11 o'clock on Monday the 28th of December. Uh, it's actually the Boxing Day holiday uh, and we're up here in Kosciuszko National Park and we're going to be doing the Schlink Hut Walk, which is a 22km walk return. So 11km in, 11km out uh, and includes three huts. We've already done another six kilometer walk this morning uh, and we figured that 11 kilometers for the rest of the day shouldn't be too bad, although it is uh, a steep uphill section to start with. So um, we figured three to four hours should get us in there with a lunch break. Yeah, it's another beautiful day. Um, earlier this morning, actually not long ago, um, probably about 20 kilometers down the road, uh, we were covered in a thick layer of mist and we've popped up uh, out of that and uh, blue skies and uh, it's actually uh, quite warm I think yeah you know for the morning and no doubt going to get hotter as we do that big steep climb. One thing that has been interesting given that it is you know it's just after Christmas uh, there has been snow up in the Alps over the last four or five days um, and it did settle on the ground in some areas but I think most of it's pretty much gone now so the, um, you know, it, while it's not hot today uh, it's certainly too hot for snow to linger around too long. Okay we better get started and we've got a, a steep ascent up a gravel road to start with. Talk to you later. 
Okay, we're just sitting on the side of the road having lunch. Uh, we normally try and have lunch uh, sometime between about 12 and 12.30. Um, and normally around about 12 o'clock we start looking for somewhere decent to sit. In this case here we're sitting on the side of the road on a raged grassed verge. Uh, grass is a bit long, <laughs> uh, but we're in the shade, so it's actually not a bad spot. Um, the wind is actually quite strong at the moment, uh, and I've been having to wait for a few minutes to try and get a bit of a lull in the, the, the blowiness to actually do the recording, but you may actually hear some wind, wind blowing in the background. Yeah, so um, we've done about just over 4Ks, um, and uh, we've just passed the turn off to the first hut. Um, and, you know, up to this point, uh, it's been a pretty steep zigzag uphill. Uh, we're starting to get a bit more undulating, uh, long undulations, but still a little bit more up and down um, and a bit more shade. So that's sort of making the, the walking a little bit easier um, with some, you know, tough spots interspersed with shady spots. Okay, we'll have a, a few more minutes rest and then we'll head off um, to our next destination. We've got, there are three huts on this walk. Um, we bypassed the first hut. We may look at doing that on the way back because it's, you actually have to turn off the main track to, to go through and do that. Um, and uh, we'll continue along on this road until we head to our destination tonight, which is Slink Hut. Talk to you later. We've been walking for roughly around about 20 minutes uh, and we've just come to the turn off to Horse Camp Hut, which is the first of three huts on this trail. Uh, the turn off takes you about 400 metres into the, uh, the hut itself and it's one of the nicer alpine huts I've seen. Outside is pretty typical, it's wrought iron, um, it's in reasonably good condition, um, it's got a, a unique sort of fireplace, almost backwards triangular fireplace. A great red door. <laughs> great red door with a horseshoe. Um, but inside, it's really quite nice. Sometimes you get huts that look like they've been uh, abandoned for years, and other times, you know, you could almost say, you know, this is almost a little from a full-time point of view. Uh, and this is one of these sort of huts. Uh, separate bedroom, fairly small, uh, with a, a small little area to put your packs. Uh, then there's the lounge, dining room, kitchen, I suppose, where the fire is, uh, which you could probably sleep a few more people on the floor in there as well if need be. Um, good hut. There is a, a tank of water, a 44-gallon drum of water, at the back of the hut with a sticker on it saying, do not drink. Uh, that's pretty typical with a lot of these alpine huts. Uh, I think the park service would prefer that you don't drink it. Uh, but if you have no choice, as long as you have a filter, I think you'd be fine. And I think it's just the park service covering themselves in case you drink water and you end up getting sick. Um, the area outside the hut, nice little grassy area that's mown and maintained. There's a, uh, a fire pit uh, with some logs uh, for, for sitting in during the warmer months of the year. Um, and it's surrounded by bushland and, and forest. So great little hut. Yeah, it's a really nice uh, little spot, and uh, I, I liked the um, the dunny. Uh, it's got a split door, so I think you'll be able to watch the view while you're doing your business. So I think that's kind of a nice uh, innovation on some of these huts. Though 
though you'd have to be pretty friendly, I guess, with the people who were staying there. Um, and you you can't actually stay inside the huts, though. No, all the huts in the Alpine area are meant for emergency only. So the intent is not that you plan on sleeping inside the huts. Uh, you take your tent, and if the weather turns really nasty, and it's you know it's going to cause a a safety issue from your health, then you sleep inside the huts. Yeah. Uh, otherwise. If people start planning on staying in the huts all the time, they're just going to get worn down too quickly. Yeah, and uh, there was plenty of space outside and nice spots that you could pitch your tent as well. So, you know, quite a, quite a nice um, uh, campsite. Okay, it's just almost two o'clock, and we've done it just a bit over seven kilometres. Um, so uh, we just decided to have a bit of a break on the side of the road. Probably in around about another 800, 900 metres, we should come across the second hut. Um, and then we've got roughly around about three and a bit kilometres to go to Schlink's hut, which is our destination for tonight. Given that it's just on two o'clock, um, sunset is tonight? Uh, 8.40. 8.40, so we've got plenty of daylight hours left. We were actually expecting some rain today. Uh, not Fingers a lot. crossed. <laughs> not a lot, but there was forecast being a reasonably high chance of rain, so, so far so good. Um, but it's been a bit windy today on and off, uh, and even though we... That's an understatement. Yeah, <laughs> and I think the, uh, the first section of the walk was certainly the steepest. Uh, this section, since uh, we had lunch, is pretty much been undulating, uh, so we'll see what happens with this last section that takes us into uh, Schlink's Hut. Okay, talk to you later. It's just on three o'clock and we're inside White's River Hut, uh, just doing this recording. Uh, we got here about five, ten minutes ago and taken some photos and used the toilet facilities. Uh, and it was starting to spit, so we thought we'd do the recording inside and grab our rain gear out if need be. We've got about three kilometres left to go to... Uh, Slinks Slinks Hut I'll get the pronunciation right one of these days Um, I wasn't too sure where White's River Hut was because uh, about 15 minutes or 20 minutes ago I saw another small hut down off the side of the road uh, probably about 200 metres down the hill so because it was a steep access way I dropped my pack off uh, and walked down, and it was actually a uh, a hut for use for the Snowy Hydro scheme. So it was obviously a working hut, um, and I must admit it didn't have White's River written on there. But I thought I'll have a look anyway because it seemed to be about the right sort of distance. White's River hut itself is very obvious from the road, so there's no no mistaking what it is. It's pretty much at uh, road level, so you don't have to go up or down too much. You're crossing over a couple of um, streams and rivers. One of them's got a quite a large mesh uh, uh, bridge, which is pretty much bent. Uh, so I think you know, after a period of heavy rain or an early spring, you're likely to end up getting wet feet on it. The other smaller one just needed to go through and uh, um, uh, just do some rock hopping to get across it. It wasn't particularly big. Similar sort of hut, the corrugated iron, uh, toilet out the back with the, the two panel doors so you can have the top or, for that matter, the bottom open, um, get a bit of a view. Uh, inside the hut, not as flash as the horse camp hut, 
but still reasonably well looked after. Uh, bunks, so you could sleep comfortably, uh, four people in here plus people on the floor. Uh, there is a, a potbelly stove inside the fireplace um, and there's a almost a, a veranda which is covered in, which is a wood store and you can all the packs can go out there as well. Yeah, I think this one's not quite as well uh, kept, um, particularly on the outside. The the grass is a bit longer, and um, it had, uh, it's a bit more of a challenge to find a good uh, campsite for your tent. Um, but still, it's got everything that you need, and um, yeah, it's probably close enough uh, to the end of the hike that you'd probably continue on. But maybe if you wanted to explore. Around. What's interesting is there's a sign up that says that this is, uh, you're just leaving a phytophthora area and you need to scrub your boots, um, if you're going, um, up into the, uh, hillside beyond. So, um, some of those things need to be mindful of, but, uh, yeah, no, it's pretty good. I think, um, you know, if you're super fit, you'd probably make, make do to go through to Shanks Hut in one day and, and do a one day, uh, return, you know, making a 22 kilometer walk. Um, but for most people though, that's more than they want to do. This one here, if you're doing a return trip on this one, is probably about 16 or 17 kilometers. Again, for, for some people, it might be a bit too much, but it's, it's probably doable as a day hike. Well, uh, as a day hike, you're not carrying. The, the weight and the pack and the tent and the food and no no <laughs> so it's a little bit easier going but still yeah it's a, it's a bit of a challenge okay on to our destination hut good evening it's 20 past seven we're here at schlink hut which is the destination for our walk today um all up this walk should have been around about 11 kilometers but because we did all the side trips to the other huts, that's taken us through to roughly around about um, uh, 12 and a half to 13 kilometres. So that's given us a, bit, a couple of extra kilometres we hadn't actually planned on doing. But well, well worth the effort. Um, this walk, I expected a fair amount of it to be on management trail and... Uh, pretty much the entire work. The whole lot. <laughs> yeah, the whole, the whole lot is on the, on management trail. Uh, so it's um, relatively easy to follow. Uh, there's a, a hard bit at the start of the walk that I thought we'd gone the wrong way, but that was more from me not trusting my own abilities. Uh, and we had gone the correct way, but sometimes you think, oh, we, we should have come across something by now. Lots of flowering bushes and wildflowers out at the moment. I mean, we're, we are past Christmas now, um, but there's just lots of little stuff, smaller stuff typically uh, that you're walking past that you just find, uh, and you know, even though it's not big and obvious, it's still really attractive and really worthwhile looking at. Yeah, it's been an interesting, um, interesting hike from that perspective, and... Uh, you did need to sort of uh, keep keep your eye to the ground a little bit. Um, uh, m- most of it is uphill, uh, as you'd probably uh, imagine. You're in in the alpine regions, and you're um, yeah go, go, going to the huts, so you're going up to the huts. Um, 
relatively easy underfoot on the management trail. It's just um, long uphill stretches. So, you know, and as Tim said, that we'd done a few extra kilometres that we hadn't um, anticipated in doing. We started this walk around about 22.12 and we got here at around about just after four um so you know four and a half hours uh, and that's including the the additional distance we did um was not unrealistic we weren't moving at a rapid pace but i took a lot of photos today uh, which is uh, i always do take photos but probably not as many as i expected to, that i was going to take today yeah tim was always trailing behind having stopped to take a photo and i kept walking and then turned around and thought oh where is he <laughs> A hut itself, um, there's, uh, it's, it's actually a bigger hut than I thought it was going to be. It's actually quite large. Uh, haven't had a chance to look inside yet. We'll do that tomorrow because when we got here, it was sort of threatening to rain and we wanted to get the tent up and get organized. So by the time we got the tent sorted out, got everything into the tent, got sorted out for the evening, um, we thought, okay, look, we'll have dinner and, and we'll then wait till tomorrow to, to see what, uh, what the inside looks like. Um, this hut has also got a toilet uh, like the other ones. Uh, no toilet paper, which is not unusual. Uh, but this we, one's a little bit more upmarket. Yeah, so we we um, we always tend to bring toilet paper and assume nothing's going to be there, even though toilets are provided, and that's a, a safer thing to do. And, and toilet paper really doesn't weigh that much. Uh, there's probably around about ten tents up uh, around the hut. Um, I think there might be people staying inside. Uh, now, again, really staying inside the hut is supposed to be for emergencies only. And I could be wrong. I haven't been in there yet, but I just get the impression people are, are staying in there. Um, but there's a lot of tents, as I said, 10 tents, and there's people that are in, um, in tents by themselves in couples. So I think there's roughly around about 10 people staying here, um, which is there's 300 people allowed in this section of the park. Uh, and around about 10 people in this area. Uh, and while this is considered uh, wilderness camping, it's not a formal campground, uh, given we still have COVID going on at the moment, we do need to fill out a trip intention form just so if something does happen or um, a hotspot occurs at this hut, they know who, everybody who stayed here. And that's pretty much the same for all of New South Wales. Even if it's not staying in a designated campground, if you are in a designated campground, you do need to book, even if you don't have to pay. Uh, if you're wilderness camping in New South Wales uh, on government land, you do need to fill out a trip intention form. Um, I haven't really talked to anyone else uh, here. Uh, we sort of said hello to people as we passed them or they passed us today. And typically it was people passing us because we were, st- we were taking so many photos. Um, but, uh, the, the thing that interests me with this location is usually New South Wales, um, parks like you not to camp hard up against the huts. They like having a bit of distance, but really with this location, um, unless you start, uh, bush bashing and moving further into the wild bush and damaging that, you have no choice but to clamp relatively closed up towards the the hut there's a few people that have camped hard up against the hut 
because there has been a lot of wind today and that's giving a bit of shelter. Uh, the other issue is flat ground uh, and that's a hard thing here. Uh, most of the, the sites are sloping. Uh, trying to find a, a, a tent site that's dead flat is difficult at this location. And I think if you want to do that, you've got to get here uh, probably around about lunchtime, not sort of mid to late afternoon. Yeah, I think that's probably the case. And, um, you know, I mean, it's okay. We'll probably have a rush of blood to our toes um, by the time we get to the morning. But, you know, I think all all up it seems to be a good spot. Everybody seems to have settled down for for the night now, so they're all... Uh, lots of uh, good nights uh, being shared a few uh, minutes ago. So, um, yeah, it's pretty pretty quiet, and uh, even though there are a few people about. Okay, that's all for us. Uh, time to go to bed. Night. Good morning. It's day two of our Schlink track walk. Um, it's either 10 to 7 or 5 past 7, depends on whose watch you're, you're talking about. Uh, for some reason, our watches are reading differently, so I uh, don't know why that is. Um, good sleep last night, um, as far as is possible from my perspective. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of these hikers that I don't have long sleeps when I hike. I tend to have short sleep, then wake up, short sleep, then wake up. And given that we went to bed last night, not long after 7 o'clock, it's a long night. Um, Temperature-wise, it did get down to zero or worse last night because when we got up, we had some of the gear we'd left outside had ice on it. Um, so we had expected to have cold weather. Um, and it's it's really funny when you're up in up in the Australian Alps, it's in the middle of summer, um, you know, you're potentially getting 30 degrees on some days and then on other days you're getting ice or, or, uh, or frost at night time. Yeah, I, that did surprise me. Um, I, I think um, uh, we're testing out a new tent. Um, I was quite warm, but then I realised that I had my pack along the side of the tent and was covered in ice So on the outside of the tent, so that meant uh, it was protecting me somewhat. But uh, yeah, um, quite a nice night. The wind died down, uh, it was reasonably calm. Um, I did wonder at one point why there weren't many animals wandering around, but then realised it was probably too cold for them too. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's been that has been the interesting thing so far this walk. We haven't seen any animal life on this walk. Uh, we I've did a, we did the one previously. I've seen um, some wallabies, okay, hopping around, and yeah. uh, and there has certainly been a lot of crows, uh, which is pretty typical in the Alps. This area of the Alps is quite interesting. It's it's not something I'm commonly used to. I've, I find that every area is different as far as the vegetation, and in this case here. A lot of the mallees, uh, which you tend to get just before the, the tree line disappears, a lot of the undergrowth, and I'm sitting here looking at the hill behind the hut, and there's this, this um, cemetery, I suppose is the best way to describe it, of tr- uh, tree skeletons. Um, and on, on this hill, there's not a lot of new trees, 
but I believe that the trees that are in this area, and particularly the ones that are only about probably five or six metres away from us, are some of the oldest ones in the park. Uh, obviously, they haven't been burnt or chopped down um, over the last couple of hundred years. Yeah, and they're quite stunning. Even the um, skeletons of the trees make quite a stunning landscape, but the ones that are still um, alive uh, are multi-trunked and uh, beautiful, smooth colouring on the on the trunk. So, yeah, it's something to enjoy. As was the start of yesterday, um, the vet, the wildflowers are, are quite good uh, sometimes you've got to look at them it's not as if the whole hill, hill is carpeted but walking along the road and this road is pretty much or this this walk is pretty much on management trail um, you're getting you're getting no. <laughs> you're getting uh, a lot of wildflowers along the edge of the road uh, and even when you sort of walk into the the various huts you're picking up different types of wildflowers in different areas so it's, it's quite attractive now, this hut is one of the bigger huts. Um, it's almost a house more than anything else. Um, the, there's a kitchen area. There's a little um, uh, wet room or mud room, I suppose, that, that when you enter. Uh, and then um, uh, there's a couple of bunk areas, or it looks like about three almost joined bunk areas. And then there's an area which is closed at the back for whatever reason, and it's got a padlock on the, the door at this end. Same as the toilet. It looks like there's a second toilet here, um, but it's it's locked. So they obviously rotate uh, rotate them through depending on how how heavily the use use is. Uh, now the sun is coming up now. Um, it's well, it's been coming up for a little while. It's just hitting the campsite. Yeah, now. <laughs> I mean the, this hut is is obviously being placed in a particular area to shelter it from the wind, um, and and you know, it is that it's tucked in this all at the end of one of the valley, uh, and looking away from the hut, there's this long open valley in the front of it, but we're just sort of tucked in. There's a stream which you may not, may not be able to hear at the back back of us, uh, lots of little trees and it really is quite protected so they've obviously done that for a reason but it is, it is a very large hut and I'd, I'll be interesting to have a look at a bit of history of this hut when, when I go back to Canberra and get access to a computer to see whether this was actually a homestead rather than a, a hut because that's what it looks like Okay, um, time to head back to the start of the trail, talk to you later It's 10 to 8. Uh, we've been going for roughly around about just over a half hour. Uh, and we've stopped just to do a recording at Schlink's Pass. It's uh, only one. It's not several. Yeah. <laughs> or, or a possessive. <laughs> um, you'll, get it, you'll get it right by the yeah. end of the day. Uh, and the sign is pretty worn, uh, <laughs> but it's in feet and in metres as well. So it's actually 1,804 metres just as we go down. So I'll check later on today, but I, once I get home, but I think this is probably the highest point of the whole trip. Um, you know, 1,800 metres is you know, getting up there. It's, you know, there's not too much more distance to go to Kosciuszko. Um, much different sort of day today. Uh, the sun has well and truly come out. Uh, we're just about to go down into the next valley. And while the valley we are in with the hut was fairly clear, uh, this next valley has got fog and cloud in it. Um, I think it's mostly fog. I think it'll burn off. Yeah, I think so too. But it's just interesting. You go from one valley to the next and it's just totally different. No wind today so far, which is quite nice. Uh, that, that always makes a big difference. 
Um, a lot of the issue with the alpine areas, particularly when you're up on the really exposed summits right up high, is you get impacted by the wind no matter what you do. Um, but here, walking through these valleys, the wind can be annoying when it goes all day, but so far, uh, so so good today as far as it's not impacting on us yet. Uh, the pass where we're on at the moment, lots of um, white daisies in flower, so almost covering this whole area. Um, and it's a basically it's a saddle, so again, that's the, the slink pass. Um, yeah, look, I think we're in for a really nice day. Um, it is quite different as you go from one valley to the next, and um, yeah, there's a temptation to stop and put on clothes or take on take off clothes, but um, I, you know, it's not too far, so you just keep going. Okay, we'll head off again. It's uh, just on 9.30. Uh, we've been stopping for about 10 or 15 minutes, just having a, uh, a morning tea break. Usually we have a break after around about two hours, and that's, that's pretty much spot on. Uh, one of the problems on this sort of walk is lots of grass, uh, not many logs or rocks in the right spot to sort of sit and have a, a tea break. So we're sitting on a, uh, a causeway uh, uh, right on the edge of a, a creek, so you can more, I'm sure you can probably hear the, the water in the background. Moving reasonably quickly this morning, uh, we've covered uh, probably around about 7.6 kilometres. So we've got uh, 11 kilometres as our total distance, so we've got under 4 kilometres left to go. Um, and we've got the last hill to go as well, which is not steep. And then we're pretty much flat and then downhill, uh, down that zigzagging uh, roadway that came up from Guthaga up to the top of the hill. Um, clouds sort of moved in where we are at the moment, or the, the, the mist. Uh, so we had sunny area to start with, and now we're sort of uh, pretty much overcast. Um, but that's not too bad. It sort of uh, kept the heat down a bit, which and it's not particularly hot anyway. So it's quite pleasant walking temperature. Yeah, it's quite nice this morning. We've seen a few cyclists, we've seen um, a few uh, walkers already uh, heading out. So, um, yeah, it looks like it's going to be another busy day like yesterday. Uh, there were quite a few cyclists on this road um, going and coming when we were um, uh, heading out to Schlink Hut. Okay, well, time to move on again. And the next time you hear from us should be at the car park at Guthaga Power Station. Talk to you later. It's 10.20 on day two, which is the 29th of December, 2020. We've just finished our walk to Schlink Hut. Um, been here about 10 minutes or so, so just uh, threw the packs in the car and had a toilet break, and uh, just doing the last recording uh, before we head off home. Um, the walk from where we stopped for morning tea uh, we had a, an uphill section, uh, not a steep one, uh, and then pretty much it was downhill all the way down to the car park, um, uh, down to Guthaga uh, Power Station. Um, I must admit, overall, I think for me this walk, I, I would have liked to have had some of it on uh, track rather than on management road. Um, I mean the huts were really nice 
but I think it would have been nice, as I said, just to have a to go bush every so often. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm not a fan of walking on management road, and I'm certainly not a fan of walking on management road uphill. Um, but yeah, a, a few more tracks, and I probably get why that's not the case. Um, but the other thing is, it's really accessible um, for. Uh, both walkers as well as um, mountain bike riders and uh, it it can get quite busy. So the car park here now is just overflowing. There's actually 23 cars here and the, the, it's actually designed for 20 cars. So there's three cars that have parked on the grass and there's a lot more cars up on the, the entry roadway uh, as you come in. So it's, it's busier today. And I do recognise a couple of cars from people that were here yesterday that are still out on track walking. Yeah, so in terms of, um, I, I guess, would, would we do it again? I Probably not. I'm not sure that I would. That'd have to be something quite special for me. Um, I, I'm also not a fan of, um, you know, camping, pitching the tent where everybody else is, has pitched their tent. Um, and again, I understand why that's the case, to contain the impact. Um, uh, but, yeah, it's, you know, the campsite last night I think was it was pretty busy um, and you know the, the, there weren't that many level sites available um, uh, yeah we didn't talk about this this morning but we we just slowly drifted to the bottom end of the tent didn't we overnight <laughs> yeah we did <laughs> alright that's it for the Schlink track walk Okay, so that was our two-day trip on the Schlink Hut walking trail in Kosciuszko National Park. Uh, and you'll have to forgive some of the early uh, recordings. It was a, a bit windy, particularly that first day uh, and the first part of the day. Uh, um, I thought you, was going, you were going to say you have to forgive your pronunciation of Schlink Hut because it was pretty variable, Tim. <laughs> It is, and I've actually got some uh, some bloopers at the end of this this podcast episode. I just could not get it right, so uh, <laughs> it's just one of those pronunciations. Okay, so we're just going to go through and just talk a bit about the track overall. Um, and firstly, uh, uh, as I uh, said at the start of this podcast, uh, it's worthwhile uh, having a look at the written write-up, which has all the details and the logistical side of things associated with it. Um, but this is a, a 23.1 kilometre walk for us, which is slightly longer than what's listed in the uh, uh, the New South Wales Parks website. And I think that is because we did the visits into the two designated huts as well as the third informal hut as well. So, yeah, it would be slightly shorter if you skipped uh, the huts and just, just walked on the road to, to Schlink Hut. Um, the trail tread, as we mentioned, really this walk, and it's not unsurprising in um, in a lot of the areas in Kosciuszko National Park and the Alpine National Park areas where there's a lot of walking on management road. And in fact, this walk, um, regardless of where you go to, the entire walk is on management road. Um, and there's some pl- pluses and minuses for that. The pluses is it's generally pretty easy to maintain where you're going. Uh, the only 
confusing point, if you like, was you get up the top of the very steep hill at the start of the walk and you're, you're presented with a, a Y branch in the road um, and uh, uh, there's a couple of very poor metal signs that sort of um, try and give you a bit of a weak indication of where you should go um, and, and, that, and that's in fact what you're doing, you're veering to the right. But otherwise, it's it's pretty easy, and you just follow the management road, and you can't get lost. Yeah, it's pretty easy to navigate. Um, that first part uh, uphill on the zigzag, um, I, th- you know, I found quite tough. Um, it was quite, um, it was actually a little bit sheltered from the wind, so it was quite warm. Um, if it was much higher temperature, that would have been, you know, pretty, uh, pretty roasty. Um, on the way up, but yeah, and, and funny enough, it did seem. It, it's always the case. It at the time it seems harder and longer, and then you look back and you think, oh, you know, probably shouldn't have complained so much on the way up that hill. Yeah, and, and I think you know certainly for you know, if you if you're new to hiking and you think, oh god, this is this whole trip's going to be like this. It's really those first two two and a half kilometers, and then from there it's undulating rather than sort of straight up like that first section is. The comment I'd probably make on this walk, and one of the reasons we've gone through and reviewed this is it is very much a choose your own adventure sort of walk. There are three huts, uh, and you could choose to do the horse camp hut return which is just under eight kilometres. You could choose to do the White's River Hut, and it is White's with an S, uh, White's River Hut um, uh, as a standalone walk and return, and that's just on about 17 kilometres. Or you can do the the full Schlink Hut return walk, which is 23.1 kilometres. So it depends on how fit you are, how experienced you are, how long a walk you want. And how fast you want to move. I mean, as we said that, you know, we uh, did take a lot of photos along the way and, you know, we were looking at all of the the beautiful wildflowers that were just quite stunning. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it depends on whether you're a racer or whether or not you're a stroller, I guess. So, I mean, yeah, you could actually, if you wanted to do this walk in one day, you know, if you can walk... Uh, an average walk around about four kilometres an hour. And for me, when I'm doing long-distance hiking, I, have, I, I work on the basis that I'm doing 3.75 kilometres per hour, uh, and that's based on uh, a number of years of, of going through and measuring this sort of thing. Yeah, But for me, that would mean that basically you're looking roughly around about a six-hour return walk. Uh, but it is a long walk, so if you're not into doing those sort of distances or you don't have the fitness, you can choose to do one of the shorter options. You could choose to make this a three-night walk, you know. Yeah, that's um, right. And the other thing is I think, you know, it also depends on whether or not you're staying locally or whether you're going to drive somewhere at the end of the day. So, you know, um, to an overnight and two slightly shorter days um, and then head off to wherever it is that you need to go is always much better than a long day of hiking and then getting in the car tired and driving somewhere for a few hours. So, you know, it just depends on all sorts of different things um, that are part of how you want to do it and how, how you want to do your hiking. Now, in relation to the huts, there are a total of four huts on this track, three that are officially on the track itself and an additional one which we'll talk about in a moment. 
So the horse camp hut, which was built roughly in 1950 for the Snowy Mountains Authority, uh, and that's if you do that as a standalone hike, it's just an eight kilometres return, or you know it's four kilometres after the start of the walk, and that was built to. Um, uh, it got its name because that's where they used to uh, uh, the paddock next door was where they used to store their horses overnight. Uh, so it was a working hut for the Snowy Mountains Authority. Uh, uh, what have we got? Seventy years ago, uh, so it was one of the one. Of, you know, certainly it's not an ancient hut, but it's an old hut. We mentioned that a couple of things about the huts, and it is consistent with all these huts. There was a uh, water tank uh, behind the hut, and it was red, and it has "Do not drink," and it also has fire stamped on it. So if you lose control of something, uh, you have a fire and it gets out of control, there's a water source at the, immediately the back of the hut. Um, and certainly you could drink from it, but if you're going to be doing that, I would be inclined to filter it. Um, and the, the thing about these walks, or this walk in particular, is the New South Wales Parks Service say, say water is limited, you need to bring your own water there is that many streams, and these are permanent streams, all the way along this track. Um, you know, you can quite comfortably carry whatever you need for the day and top up as you go. But again, I, I would suggest filtering. The other thing is about the streams is, I mean, there had been a lot of um, a lot of rain, and so they were definitely flowing. And yes, they, you know, they are. Um, permanent but you know in times of low water you probably have to have look a little bit harder I think you know um, uh, go a little bit longer look a bit harder. Um, the other thing with these three huts that they had in common was the toilet with a split door. Now there's a couple of reasons why this is the case. Uh, first and foremost it's to, to cater for the winter season uh, and a lot of people do cross-country skiing or snowshoeing in this area. Uh, and I've seen a photo of Schlink Hut in a heavy snowfall in wintertime when there's been sort of two and a half to three metres of snow around the hut itself. Uh, so uh, by having a, a, a split opening door, um, providing that the, the toilet's not totally buried under snow, uh, it means you can actually just open the top half and access it. Uh, be a bit of creative climbing to get in. The other thing it also does as well is, you know, it means you can have the bottom half closed, the top half open, have a bit of a view while you're doing your business. Yeah, some have been sealed, so, you know, they don't um, don't work, <laughs> if you like. Um, so, you know, it's still one full door. Um, but, yeah, that particular one at the first hut, um, it did appear as if it was still operational. The other thing with Horse Camp Hut as well, it was probably the best maintained out of the three huts. It was almost, in some respects, it was almost like it was a, uh, uh, a mown grass area. There was a lot of flat area around the hut. Uh, and in fact, it was probably the best of the three huts in relation to if you wanted a flat space to put your tent, yeah, yeah. Uh, Horse Camp Hut was your best option. Inside, the hut was really attractive as well. Uh, for a hut of its age, and the huts really are meant as emergency huts. You know, they're not designed to be used you know, and, and leave your tent at home. They're designed to be used in emergencies. Uh, but people do go through and camp in them, uh, and certainly in wintertime, um, you know, if the snow is really bad, it may be that that's where you are going to have to stay. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, it's always best to take your own tent uh, rather than assuming you can go through and use the huts. 
One thing I would say with the huts as well is um, uh, it doesn't matter which state you're in, normally the park services don't like you camping hard up against the huts themselves, but sometimes there is no option. You know, if the choice is to go and into the middle of the bush and start chopping down shrubs and trees to form a flat campsite, uh, you're better off close, uh, camping closer to the hut where you can actually uh, you know, not destroy the environment to actually get a tent site. Moving on from uh, Horse Camp Hut, uh, again, back on Management Road, you've got a, a not long after you leave the uh, the hut and you get back on the main trail, you're heading downhill, uh, and the trail is pretty much undulating until the end point, but it's not steep. You keep saying you're heading downhill when we haven't yet hit the peak, so, you know, <laughs> don't try and kid me. <laughs> there were lots of big hills. But, there, yeah, it was downhill sections at least anyway. Uh, but the, the overall tone of the whole walk is heading up. Um, so we headed up to what we thought was the second hut, uh, which was White River Hut, and we could see a hut on the left-hand side of the road. Uh, and, in fact, all the huts are on the left-hand side of the road going out. Uh, and it was actually a very small hut down the bottom of the hill. Uh, it wasn't marked. And I didn't think it was the right one, but I thought just in case I'll go and have a look. Uh, so Jill stayed up the top on the main trail. I dropped my pack off and walked a couple of hundred metres down. And again, it was another snowy mountains authority uh, uh, working hut. Uh, and this was locked, not for public use at all. Uh, and it really is a working hut that they use uh, when they are doing work within the park. Uh, but it was a good little hut just to go through and have a look at. Back onto the main trail again, and again, we weren't too far uh, after that short hut. Uh, we come to White's River Hut. Now, White's River Hut is probably the more basic of the three huts. Um, it was actually built in um, 1934, 1935 as a stockman's hut. Uh, so it's the oldest of the three huts in this area, uh, on this trail. Um, and it's, again, the kitchen... Uh, area and bedroom area, which tends to be pretty standard for most of these sort of huts with a toilet and lots of flat areas uh, to uh, actually uh, go through and put your tent up. So this is another good option. One thing I would say about this hut is uh, there were very few people camping there overnight. I think uh, on the way back in the morning, we passed it fairly early in the morning and there was only two tents. Uh, so uh, this, in some respects, is not a bad place to stop uh, because you are actually uh, not having to beat the crowds, if you like, to find a good spot. Uh, and there are plenty of good options. Yeah, there are fewer people, fewer people. You get pretty close to Schlink Hut and people, I guess, figure you'll continue on. Um, so there, there were few people likely to uh, pitch a tent there, but there were also some... Uh, flatter spots as well. One thing that was interesting was that um, the metal bridge that crossed the creek slash river um, pretty much was in a state of collapse. So it was uh, uh, some of the supports underneath had pretty much given way. So the, the metal mesh was almost like a U-shape. And I can imagine in periods of heavy rain or early spring when all the snow's melting, you might get wet feet getting there. The other thing as well is if you're going there in wintertime when there is heavy snow, um, it would be so easy to uh, lose where the metal mesh is to get across. 
Um, and as I said, people do do these tracks in snowshoes and, and skis in wintertime, but for those sort of people, they're, they're the ones that have experience yeah. in, in snow conditions uh, in remote areas. From there, back onto the main trail again, and we headed towards Slink Hut. Uh, and before we got there, we got to Slink Pass, uh, and the sign was that old that had uh, the out the, um, the height in feet as well as meters, uh, and it was pretty hard to read because it was you know it had been there for so many years. Uh, Slink Pass is probably one of the few spots on the entire trail we can when you can be guaranteed of getting a phone signal. <laughs> um, so if you desperately need to make a phone call or check your emails, do it at the Slink Pass. Um, and Slink Pass was around about one and a half kilometres from uh, White River Hut, uh, and then it's another one and a half kilometres to a Slink Hut itself. We headed on to Slink Hut, uh, and we got there, I'm trying to think what time we got there, around about just before 4 o'clock, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and there were a lot of people there. The signs at the trailhead said this area of the park. Now, I don't know quite how they work out what this area of the park means. Uh, was allowed to have 300 people, um, but um, uh, we got there and there was probably 10 tents. Uh, not all of them had two people in them, so there probably would have been about 15 people. Um, and the ground around this hut is really sloping. So there were a lot of people, and if you have a look at the, some of the images in the write-up, that are camped hard up against the hut because that's the only flat areas that you'll find. Yeah, and it is there isn't a lot of um, space uh, dedicated for camping either, so um, you are quite, quite close to the hut, um, the other option is to go close to the toilet, which is not such a great option. So, um, But even then, uh, yeah, it's pretty hard to find a flat piece. So Slink Hut itself uh, is also goes by the name of the Slink Hilton. Uh, this was another hut that was built in 1960, 61, uh, and it was built for the Snowy Mountains Authority, and it was designed to, uh, to be used by workers when they were putting the high-power the high voltage power lines through the park area, um, so it's 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 surprisingly large. I thought this must have been a real homestead because it was of the size of it. But you know, it, it's the the newer of the the three huts along this trail. Um, and, and as I said, I've seen photos of this in winter time where there's been two to three meters of snow yeah, surrounding yeah. the hut. So uh, it's yeah, you know, it's the sort of thing you, you don't want to wander out there unless you know what you're doing in the middle of winter. Um, the nighttime temperature, we expected it to be, or the forecast was three degrees. Uh, when we went to bed and got up the next morning, uh, the temperature, we had ice on the packs, uh, which we'd left outside the tent. Yeah, and quite a bit, actually, not just, you know, a, a, a tiny bit here and there. It was, um, and also ice on the um, the fly of the tent as well. So, you know, it uh, there was a lot of moisture the night before with the mist that rolled in, so... Um, it, it was a bit moist, um, so that was enough to turn the turn the moisture, turn the moisture into ice. And this is the thing that if you're not used to camping in the Australian alpine areas, it's not unusual to have daytime temperatures approaching thirty odd degrees, yeah. and then nighttime temperatures having icy conditions or even light snowfalls. 
and I've seen in other areas of the park and some of the uh, social media posts in, in some of the groups that I follow uh, in some of the Victorian parks that had snow around about that time. Mm. And certainly in the northern part of Kosciuszko, there was also snow a few days before the, the trip that we did. So, mm. And the day did warm up quite quickly though. I mean, you know, it wasn't uh, su- super cold um, in the morning uh, when we got up and it didn't stay cold for a long time. No, but you, you do need to cater for those conditions. You, yeah. can't, you can't sort of think, well, it's the middle of summer, I can get away with you know, a really lightweight sleeping bag and not much not much clothing. Uh, you really do need to cater for th- temperatures around zero degrees, even in the middle of summer. Mm. So we left, left the uh, – on the second day we uh, had a wander around. We talked to a couple of the people there uh, and some people were going further into the park. Some were actually cr- uh, crossing con- – going cross-country over towards Mount Twynham and Mount Kosciuszko. And there's there's quite a lot in this area. There are other huts, but certainly this is the main trail from the Guthaka Power Station. Um, if you feel like going off-trail and you, you're good with your map and your compass work, there's certainly uh, plenty of options in this area of the park. Uh, so we, we got up fairly early. We uh, had breakfast. We tried, chatted to a couple of people. Uh, we went and had a look inside the hut and then headed back Back to the uh, uh, the car park at Guthaga. Um, took us probably around about three and a half hours, I think, to return. And again, we stopped for morning tea. We 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 had a pretty cruisy sort of walk, so it wasn't uh, certainly that difficult to walk. Um, and we didn't drop into the other hut, so it was it was a bit shorter in distance to sort of get us get us back there. One thing I forgot to mention at the start of this last section was this is a shared trail, so there was a lot of mountain bikers, which Jill did mention. Uh, so you do need to be paying attention because they seem to come through in groups. Um, you know, and sometimes if they're coming downhill, they're moving pretty quickly and don't have the, the ability to stop on a, uh, stop really quickly if you, you leap out of them when they don't know you're there. Um, yeah, and interestingly, uh, a number of them had uh, motors. So, you know, that's that's – my kind of mountain biking. <laughs> yeah, I did wonder how they were going to get up that big hill, but uh, yeah, a, a number of them had motors and they just uh, click into power mode and keep going. I guess. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing. I'm, I, I'm not used to seeing electric mountain bikes, but they're certainly they're certainly a thing these days. So overall, as I said, one of the reasons we decided to do a podcast on this walk is because it's a choose your own adventure. Um, you know, if you're into doing longer distances and want to go off trail, there are certainly plenty of options to do that. If you're new to hiking and camping and want something uh, that's um, a bit further away from the city than a lot of uh, a lot of hiking sites are, but it's still relatively easy to navigate, this is a really good option, and it gives you the choice to decide how long or how short you want to make this walk. Um, you know, by rights, you can camp. Um, away from the huts, uh, but you know the huts just provide that bit of extra wind shelter and the toilet facilities. Speaking of toilet facilities, uh, there is no toilet paper in the toilets, uh, so bring your own. Um, and that's I think whether they actually stock them up, I don't know. But given the sheer number of people that are in the parks, um, it wouldn't last very long. So um, yeah, definitely bring your own toilet paper. Yeah, I think you know, and you you never know how many people are going to be passing through, and you know what the usage is like, and it is remote, so you can't expect the rangers to be, you know, constantly 
topping up the toilet paper. So be a bit bit more self-sufficient in that regard. Okay, so that's all for this episode. We hope it's been of use uh, and that it's provided you information if you're in the northern end of Kosciuszko National Park and are looking at a uh, a decent day walk or uh, a relatively easy uh, overnight or, or, or multiple overnight walk. Uh, this is certainly a good option. That's all for me. Bye for now. And bye from me. Now, in today's episode, episode 174, we are taking you through our on-trail episode of the Schlink Hut walking track in Hos... In today's episode, episode 174, we are taking you through our on-trail episode of the... Schl- <laughs>